this series, um, we're talking about the kingdom of God in conflict. Paul exhorts us to fight the good fight of faith. And that means we're called to follow Jesus. And it'll include some struggles along the way. Kingdom people do not avoid conflict. And if you're trying to do that, I guess the question is, how successful are you? Rather, kingdom people learn to, to master it as the way Jesus did. So we've talked about conflict with people, and we've talked about how to master the conflict we have with our tongue and our words. And we've talked about how the kingdom of God is in a political conflict with powers and principalities who want to keep the world the way it is. But today we're going to talk about perhaps the weirdest form of conflict yet, is how do you fight with God? How do you fight with God? Oftentimes in life, I, and I, I guess I have to go back to when I was growing up, um, I learned that my, my father used to get, used to go to the store and get lottery tickets. Um, my dad used to always um, put his hand on my knee and he'd say, Kendall, I'm sorry for not being able to give you and our family what they need and what they deserve. And I used to say, Dad, stop it. In my heart, I was going, you're my dad. Like, you've given us everything. But in his mind, in his heart, he felt like he hadn't made a difference, hadn't succeeded. And I think all of us here in this room have that desire in our hearts to make a difference to fulfill our destiny, and to leave an inheritance for other people, for our children's children. And I think sometimes as life goes on, we're, as we're younger, it's idealistic that what we're going to do, as you get to your 40s, you're beginning to think, well, the time is a little bit, I'm on the right track, but you know, I've got to make some corrections. And when you hit your 50s, you kind of go, oh man, what did I do with the rest of my life? And you go, I've got a short little window here now to really make a difference. And when you hit where you are retired, you're going, well, did I do it? And I think sometimes life becomes a crapshoot. If I can say it like that, that's okay if I say that word. I've been in churches where I, I get in trouble for saying that word even in a nice way, but um, sometimes life is a crapshoot. We're waiting, for the, we're, we're waiting for the moment in our life where we reach the right moment, we reach the, have the right time and the right place. We're in the right place at the right time in order to have life. And so our world... And the way we do things is we're waiting for that right moment and that right place to get us to the place where we are successful, we have fulfilled purpose, we have gone and, and made a difference in this life. And, 
And so the whole world gears around the individual life as wanting to make it successful. And that's where we get a lot of the self-help books, the coaches that can help you find and fine-tune your life in order to create your destiny. We have uh, social media where we now portray and give ourselves our social profiles. We sell ourselves online by telling how wonderful our lives are this, that, and the other thing. And really, is it? I guess I want to challenge you with that thinking in that, is it really the right moment at the right time, or is it the right moment in a wrong time? Does God work in the right moment in the wrong time rather than the right moment at the right time? Let's read Genesis chapter 32 and starting at verse 22. The same night Jacob arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jebok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had, and Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's head was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me, tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there is, and and there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Penel, saying, I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose up upon him as he passed Penel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the shinu of the the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in our midst. Lord, I thank you for the peace and the comfort that you bring those that are in uh, needing that and strength today in the midst of their struggle. And Lord, I thank you that you are ministering to our lives in a great and powerful way. And Lord, even in the day of decision before the d- decision, Lord, we can look forward in hope, in love, and encourage that you are working out our destiny in our lives. Lord, we thank you, we praise you, and we give all the, all the glory to your name. And all God's people said, amen. Lots of people think it's wrong to fight with God. They go out of their way and they avoid telling him the truth. And they might be scared he'll strike them with lightning or maybe he'll get offended and give them a silent treatment. Either way, they think God doesn't want to get down into the dirt and wrestle. But, God, but Jacob didn't feel this way. He had been on the run for his whole life. He tricked his way into the birthright, which he thought would make life easier. 
Instead, it just made things harder. And you have to understand that Jacob's whole life was, he was to be always the firstborn. He was to be considered the one blessed, yet he had to, he tricked his older brother out of the birthright. He tricked his father out of the blessing. I mean, he tricked his brother also out of the blessing by tricking his father. And then he had to leave and he fled for his life only to be in his uncle's uh, family and work for his two daughters to be their, his wives, and he tricked him. I mean, his own, his own uh, uncle tricked him to working longer and harder for the women that he married, and he ended up having to be, he tricked his own uncle out of his wealth. He was a trickster. He was a cheater. All because he, des- he was designed to make life good for himself and his family and to be a success. Now he comes to this moment in time and he has to pass through his brother's land. The brother he tricked. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've done something wrong to someone else, you're going to try to make it up really quick so that you, you don't have to face the consequences. And that's what he did. He sent some of his wealth off. Then that wasn't enough. He sent everybody out ahead of him. If he doesn't like the wealth, then maybe he'll show mercy to me by seeing all my family and my wives and servants and so forth. And so he is left here on this side of the stream by himself. You see... He tricked, he thought he was a trickster and his whole, in my mind, trying to bring across the very destiny of his life that was already given to him from birth. But it was a struggle. There was conflict, there was cheating. All the things that, I don't know about you, we've... In nowadays, we celebrate that. We put it on TV. The first reality show that made big, th- big, big bucks was Survivor. Yeah. <laughs> right? If I can, I want to be the last one to be chosen to still have the, whatever the head was, that little statue. But we tricked each other out of getting our way and finally so that we could be celebrated and we have the million dollars or the life that we so desperately want to have. So Jacob is about to face his brother he betrayed and he knows either God is going to come through for him or he's about to die. And there's nothing like a little fear that makes you turn around and finally face God. Here's the uncomfortable truth in our lives that we have to come to grips with. That our lives are sometimes much less than we want them to be. We never thought that when we walked down the aisle and got married that we would face some of the struggles that we've had. We've all, I think in this room, if we were married, we... We like the happy ever after story. 
We don't want to walk through the difficult circumstances. And then there's the thing, there's the trick that says, well, it's so difficult, I'm just going to give up. You see, our lives sometimes come across as much less than what we want them to be. Our health isn't as good as God's word says it could be. Our finances are still a mess, even though we're called to be good stewards. Our relationships could use some work, but we're not sure whether or not things are going to get better. It's only when we're in real crisis that we finally are ready to face God head on and ask him if the promise that he's given us is really true. You have to understand here that Jacob also had a promise. It was given to him he, before he went across to see Laban, he rested on a rock and he experienced the vision of, of a ladder and it's talked about in, in, in the New Testament, in the Gospels. So he knew that there is a promise and a destiny on his life. There's not anyone here in this room that doesn't have a promise or a destiny on your life. It's encoded in your DNA. And like Jacob, we're hoping that there are some tricks into getting the kind of life we want. We read self-help blogs, we buy gadgets, we try to get more organized, we get a mentor or a coach, and we're trying to get healthier. And we scheme our way through life as it gets more difficult. And we wonder where the blessing is. And some of us have screamed and wanted and have come to the, the conclusion that maybe it's just not available to me. Because what happens is in the struggle is you're confronted with yourself. You're confronted with the fact that there is something in me that's not quite right so that I can't totally get my destiny. I don't know, sometimes I think we all have an inner critic where it just says, it speaks in the back of our mind that we're just not doing enough. We haven't done anything. We don't, aren't getting to where we want to be. I guess uh, I, I'd like to think that God's bigger than our schemes. Now, here is the point. Jacob, all of a sudden, meets a burly dude. Hasta la vista, baby. So, you know, I used to do that better. Someone said, you sound better than Arnold himself. That was a long time ago. It always wanes into my, my preferred accent, but... But here we have an angel wanting to pick a fight with Jacob. If God was really good, he would never stand in my way. Or if God wanted me to be prosperous, he would just make this into a winning lottery ticket. Or if God wanted me to be healthy, he would just heal me while I'm sleeping. Why should I have to go up and ask for prayer? 
If God wanted this relationship to be better, he would smack them around and show them how wrong and stupid they're being. I don't know, you ever prayed that? I may not have prayed it, but I've felt it. Come on. I want, you know, God to smack some people upside the head and go, get it together. (laughs) But we're misunderstanding something crucial about the nature of God. God is fighting you for you. He's standing in your way for a reason. You literally cannot be destroyed by evil. He's already defeated death and hell, and he's bringing all creation towards resurrection. It says that in Romans, that all creation is groaning for the sons of God. Why? You can be undone by unlimited blessing if you're not prepared for it. You can be undone by unlimited blessing that you're not prepared for. Remember, there's two trees in the garden. Both of them look pleasing to eat. When God gives us gifts, it says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, he adds no sorrow to them. God is looking to make you into the kind of person who will not be destroyed by his blessings. Now, here is a disclaimer. This does not mean he only blesses you when you are ready for it. But it does mean that, you, that he will resist you when you're not. Think about what Jacob had to go through before he started wrestling with God. He's the rejected, neglected second son of the family. He fought his whole, way, whole life to make something of himself. He's dreamed and schemed to get where he wants, only to find out that life doesn't exactly work the way he'd hoped. He burdens bridges with all sorts of people, and he lives on the run until finally he finds himself alone, and only God is left standing in his way. Just why is God willing to pick a fight with Jacob? Both Peter and, and, and James quote the same proverb in Proverbs 3, verse 34. It's in James 4, verse 6, and 1 Peter 5, 5. It says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Can I say this? God is willing to fight you, fight who you think you are, so that you can become who you really are. God is willing to fight who you think you are, so you can become who you really are. You see, Jacob is blessed 
But his whole life has been a struggle. And his relationship to his brother is unreconciled. And the promise that Jacob's descendants will become a nation still hasn't happened. Jacob wrestles with God as a schemer and a dreamer. And he walks away as Israel, the father of the humble. Maybe the promise is unfulfilled because you're still wrestling to let go of a false sense of identity. What is it that's driving you to be you? What I'm finding today in, in today's life or culture mm-hmm. is that there is the, we are building in, our, in, our, in the essence of, of everyday life, we are giving ourselves excuses to stay the way we think we should be. I, I was at a conference this past week and they're talking about generational trauma. That if you have trauma, trauma, it will, in fact, move on to your siblings and their siblings. The fact is, is that those things do happen when we're still trying to wrestle with what we think we should be. I think sometimes what we are facing in life is we have this concept of who we are and we are trying to make it happen. And so we use all the different schemes and things that we need to get to a place where we can have it. And when it doesn't happen, what happens? We get disappointed. The first person we point out is not ourselves. We look at God and say, you didn't show up. You said I'd be like this, yet I'm like that, and it's your fault. Is it? The place here is that that oftentimes the things, we have to look at life not just just in the confines of zero to... Okay, my, my mother died at 92, so I'll say 0 to 92. We look at life as 0 to 92. We only have those many years, and that's life. The fact here is, is that God doesn't, con- God doesn't work in the confines of 0 to 92. He works in infinity and eternity. And so his purpose is not just in your 92 years. His purpose, his destiny is generational. And the very thing of what happens is we get into this battle and conflict. It's not just about you. It's about generational influences that take place from generation to generation. 
As Christian people, we have to begin to look at life not just about what happens in my 92 years. It's what's happened behind me and what's going to happen ahead of me. And right now, I have, to, I have to steer the... I can't change what happened in the past. I can't change that. I can change how I handle it today. And then I can bring forth a destiny that allows what's happening after me to get a better place and a better, a better inheritance than I ever have right now. But we're so clued in to me, myself, and I, what do I need for me? I don't know, I just got off my notes, so I now got to get back to it. Um, otherwise, we'll not land this plane in time to have communion. So Jacob wrestles with God as a schemer and a dreamer. And he walks away as Israel, the father of nations. Maybe the promise is unfulfilled because you're still wrestling to let go of the false kind of identity. Jacob initially thought the blessing was for him, but it actually was for his children. Jacob thought he could be better than his older brother, but God wanted him to be reunited with his brother. And sometimes God can't bring our dreams to pass because they're motivated out of the wrong identity. If we got what we wanted for the wrong reasons, we'd be so much worse off. I wish I had that beach body so everyone could be jealous of how sexy I am. <laughs> I don't really care about being healthy. I just want to be envied. I wish I had a lot of money. So then in my in-laws would finally see I'm not a big failure. I don't really want to increase my generosity. I'm just trying to prove myself. I dream about having more influence and making a difference in the lives of others so I will finally feel good about myself and prove that I have value. Helping others is actually just a way of making myself feel good. You see how this is actually pride working within us? Pride isn't just vanity, it's our false sense of self rooted in our hidden ego. And if we won't, and we won't ever see that ego or be free of it until we get down in the mud and wrestle with God over who we really are. Jacob is transformed into Israel, the name of his true identity and birthright. He gave what he always wanted. He gets what he always wanted. It was peace and reconciliation and purpose but not in the way he expected it. He didn't manipulate others to fulfill his own destiny. He confronted God, and God changed the way Jacob walked from then on. The craziest thing about being willing to fight with God is this. He'll let you win. <coughs> but you will walk with a limp for the rest of your life. 
This message is so crucial in this time. Because some of you here in this room have been going around a mountain for so long, it's just the way life is. I don't know about you, but I'm tired about your mountain. I'm tired about my own mountain. I don't want to go around the mountain anymore. And just like Connor explained about what he's learning from God, all of us here in this room have to be able to settle things with God and understand his perspective in our, to our lives. And then being able to go and get it, wrestle him for it, and be changed by it. I don't know about you, but I see destiny and purpose in this room. There are so many more Abexa winners in this room than I could shake a stick at. I know that there are things that God has designed in each and every one of your lives. Don't be settled for what you can come up with. Don't get settled for what you've got. Because that's all there is. I don't know about you, but when you get to be my age, and I always hated that when I heard my mom and dad say it, now I'm saying it. And then I hear, I, I, I hear their voices in the back of my head because Connor comes and says, Dad, this is what's going through. And I go, been there, done that. Worn the T-shirt. It gets better. This too shall pass. Church, I want you to, I want us all to move into a limp. You are not. I repeat, all of you are not the sum total of your experiences. If I can look in each and every one of your eyes, I will. You are not the sum total of your experiences. And what has happened to you? And you can, from this point on, continue on like Jacob and try to scheme and cheat and move ahead and do your thing in order to survive or get what you think you need. God will still be faithful to bring about his destiny and purpose and design for your life because he always can work with a pair of twos. That's what someone said once. but he will always bring you back to wrestle with him. I just ask that you would do it before you hit 92. 82, 72, you get the picture. I look down on the little, on the face of 
little Addie and her eyes were open and praying that the love of God would be all she needs to make her life successful. The Stansfields know what I'm talking about. They're going to get the joy of being. I mean, they already are, but they now know that it's coming. I don't know. It's this thing about being a grandparent really sucks to have you to hear it all the time. But when you say it, it's glorious. I would hear my friends, oh, look at my grandchild. Look at how wonderful they are. And I'd go, buddy, it's the same picture. Just different settings. <laughs> but then it happens to you. And there's something about a generational mix that I desire for my grandchildren to have the hope and the purpose and to have to f- not to filter through all the crap I've gone through. If you really want to figure out what the true and false about yourself, then get raw and vulnerable in the secret place with God. Yell, kick, scream, wrestle. And don't let go until he alone shows you what the truth is. I can't make you get there. I can only tell you that it's there. Be forewarned, you will not leave the way you came. The kind of encounter, this kind of encounter changes you. It might rewrite your cares, your plans, your designs, even your money. You know that stuff you're saving in the bank for that rainy day? It'll change the, how you even see yourself. It's crazy that that one, that once the angel touches Jacob, the sneaky schemer who's been running away all his life can no longer run away. The blessing of becoming a father of nations comes with the price of never being able to sneak his way out of a relational conflicts ever again. An encounter with God makes the smooth talker into a tongue-tied listener. An encounter with God makes the self-defensive lawyer into a quiet and gentle advocate. An encounter with God makes the conflict-avoidant person, me, I love to avoid conflict if I can, willing to speak up for themselves and for the defenseless. God might just break who you think you are so that he can introduce you who you've always been. 
This is the scary joy of being willing to fight with God. So are you ready to take that risk? Or are you still running off the ambitions of who you think you are? Now, we end every session with getting into the ring. So let's get into the ring. You're not Holyfield or Mike Tyson or anything like that. But here are some things that you can ask yourself. And let's, you know, all of us together walk this out. Here's a question. I want you to think about it. Not just, oh, yeah, this is an exercise. Really, maybe you want to write them down. Maybe you want to bring them to the Lord in the secret place of what we talked about. But here it is. Who am I? I? And I want you to write, think about the answer, but I don't want you to give the right answer. You know what I'm saying? I want you to give the honest one. Right? The right answer is, who am I? I'm, gonna, I'm Jesus's kid. I'm a child of God. Right? That's the right answer, but let's look at the honest one. Second question, what do I really, 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 really want? Act as though you are approaching the king with your biggest request. Third question, there's only four. What does my dream say about who I think I am? I want you to meditate on this question for quite a while. What does my dream say about who I think I am? And lastly, am I willing to let God reform me even if it means he gives me a new name and a limp? Am I willing to let God reform me even if it means giving, gives me a new name and a limp? Now, I want to say this. I want to say it out loud. I want you to know, get ready Get ready to wrestle. It's almost like, get ready to rumble. Okay? Get ready to wrestle through the painful honesty of this answer. I really believe that there is a battle going on in this life. The enemy would love to kill the generational impact of kingdom life by making you or causing you 
to live in who you think you really are. Because if he gets you thinking all this stuff is all up to you and your scheming and your cheating and all the things that you can do to make it happen, he's already killed, he's already caused the next generation to walk through pain and indifference and striving. Church, let me tell you something is I want to stand in the gap of generational blessing over my home, over my children, over my grandchildren and their children and so forth. So what causes me is to wrestle with God and understand who I really am and trust Him with it. Because what he thinks and what he's destined and what he's created on the DNA of me is the best ever. I may not be Donald Trump or I may not be Justin Trudeau. I may not put my hopes into political parties or people or situations or events. I trust him that he will work it out. That he knows exactly what I need when I need it. I don't have to chase the dream that I think I'm supposed to get. Because his design is going to come right when I need it. I don't know about you, but it's in the midst of all this evil back and forth, fear, scared. Someone was asking at Wolby yesterday, they were going, what's the economy like in this? Are there developments happening? Is things taking place? And as a counselor, I have to stand up and give an answer. I'd love to be able to say, oh, everything's roses. You know, What's happening? I mean, there were years in this, com- in this community we would have over 300 housing starts. When you think about 300 to what we have now, this year, it's just over 25. How do you tell somebody that, oh, well, we kind of, it looks like you missed the boat, <laughs> right? It looks like It's now a scary situation of the economy and all the things and all the dreams and all the stuff that should be happening. And we wonder if it's all going to take place, if whether God is really understanding where I'm at and he will fulfill what he's called me to do. Yes, he will. He's not shocked where you are. But he will fight you so he can understand all that he's designed you to be so that he can release you of who you are. That there will be a fulfillment, a destiny, a purpose for a conduit for blessing for the generations. 
It's never too late. And you just say, well, you know, I'm, I'm pushing close to 92 right now. And I, I don't know. I got only a year left. Can I say something? Say it in two words. Stop it. Stop looking at life in the negative capacity and say that it can't happen to me now. God's not finished with you yet. Thank you. God's not finished with you yet. The struggles you face on the inside, he can deal with and bring healing to. Are you ready to rumble? Are you ready to wrestle? Are you ready to walk away in a limp that says, everything has changed? That which I've been called to do, I've been designed to do, will now be fulfilled in everything I do and say. It's funny, you know, when you've been in a place for over 20 years, I can go through and I can, I, I, I could almost do a prophetic anointing on people's lives just because I know where people are at. But I refuse to do that because then it becomes a, a matter of a personal interaction of my knowledge but I want you to know that what I'm speaking is prophetically motivated because I want to instill you with hope, beyond hope, beyond hope, beyond hope. Stop chasing the dreams that who you think you are and grab a hold of who you really are. If I'm yelling at you, I don't mean to. I'm just trying to lay it all down and say, here it is. God's saying, you know what? What has happened is not all there is. And why? Can I get someone to help me with this? Thank you. Thank you. Because it's, it started right here. Or started at the beginning of time. And the final nail that allowed it to take place was here. On the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it. And he said, this body, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It was his body that was broken, that we feed on his faithfulness, that he has brought design from the beginning of time to the point of giving of his own son so that you and I no longer are succumbed to the things of this world, but we live in the knowledge and in the supernatural grace of who Jesus Christ is. After supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
the life-giving power of the blood. Church, we don't do this communion thing just so that it can give you a stale cracker and juice. But you are prophetically taking in upon yourself the very essence of who Jesus was. And so in you creates the conflict between who you are and who Jesus is. And guess what? Jesus wants to win. He wants to be released in you and through you so that the generations of blessing will flow. And the generational blessing flows by coming to the table and remembering what he's done and taking all of that in into ourselves and living it out each and every day. It doesn't come from a political party or a political person or a government or a friendship or a circumstance that's not, that, that happens in your life. Your happiness, your blessing comes as, as we allow ourselves to be the conduit that the, resides and allows the living Christ to flow through us. All of creation is groaning for the revealing of the sons of God. God. 